This man right here. Uh, his English isn't good. We're working on it. But Gucci uh, backstopped us all night. Played unbelievable. And Gucci. Uh, Do you enjoy hearing the fans call you like this out here? One more. One more. One more. Enjoy the fans. Yeah, you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, very fun today in uh, in every game and home. And unbelievable. Thank you. And just like that, a star is born. Uh, that was last night. That was the Carolina Hurricanes beating the New Jersey Devils by a final score of 4-1. to one. Uh, Jacob Slavin playing interpreter slash babysitter to Pyotr Kochetkov, uh, the Russian netminder who is, in a lot of ways, taking the NHL by storm. And you can start banging the drum for the Calder. Move over Maddie Beniers. Move over Logan Thompson. Uh, Kochetkov is in the conversation. With a save percentage of 928, and a, a win record of 10-1 and one for the Carolina Hurricanes. Kachetkov is making a Like, we've been talking the last little while about what are Carolina Hurricanes going to do uh, when they have the three netminders, when they're all healthy. And I'm kind of now warming to the idea that they don't just go the path of least resistance and send Kachetkov down to the American Hockey League because he doesn't need waivers. Maybe they just keep three. Or maybe... Uh, Kachetkov is forcing Don Waddell's hand here to make a move uh, with the netminder. Second-round draft pick. Uh, we got our first real taste of Kachetkov last season in a game between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins where he got right up inside of Brad Marchand's face, right up inside of his grill, and you said to yourself, there's some zest to this kid. Like, he's not just uh, a high-level goaltender. I know the playoffs didn't work out great uh, for Kachetkov, but probably not ready for that level of pressure. Um, but this guy looks fantastic. Now, just as a uh, just as a quick side note with Kachetkov, and uh, we talked um, with uh, Sean Mitten and Paul Pasco about this uh, when they came into the program a couple of, about a month ago, uh, authors of When Canada Shut Down. Uh, there is another semi-famous, I can say famous, uh, Kachetkov in, in Russian history, uh, and that was the stick boy, uh, Alexei Kachetkov. Now, Alexei Kachetkov worked for uh, Tarasov and Bobrov and Tikhanov as well. If you're, if you're looking, like if you go back and watch video from 1972, the games in Moscow at Luzhniki, Right beside the rack of sticks off to the side of the Soviet bench, there's a very well-dressed young gentleman. Uh, and that's Alexei Kachetkov, who might be the most you know, well-dressed stick boy uh, of all time. Uh, they are not related, although they did have some type of interaction between one another. I believe Alexei had something to do with one of the junior teams um, that Pyotr Kachetkov was on. Uh, but there is no relation. But now we have a second Kachetkov uh, in hockey who's who's making waves here. And that interview last night after the game, and you can tell how Carolina Hurricanes fans just love this guy. And why not? Great goaltender, great personality. And another star is born between the pipes in the NHL. He has Piotr Kachetkov, netminder for your Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Matty Marchese, what do you think of Kachetkov? Oh, man, he's great. He really is just one of those personalities. Yeah. And something about Russian goaltenders now, Jeff, it felt like there was a time where you couldn't get two words out of a Russian goaltender. And now it seems like they all have something to say, or at least most of them do. 
Well, and they're the best, right? Like you look around, like once upon a time, the goalie factory was in Quebec. We've talked about this countless times. Once upon a time, Quebec made the goalies, period. That's where they all came from. You know, American hockey fans would wonder, you know, where is this factory in the province of Quebec? Because all the goaltenders around the NHL uh, all come from that province. And then the goalie factory moved to Helsinki and it all became about Finnish goaltenders. And then it migrated over to Sweden and Stockholm and it became all about the Swedish netminders. And now when you look at whether it's Sorokin or Shishterkin or Vasilevsky and soon to be Kuchetkov here, if he can continue, like good luck, you know, in these uh, Olympic years, good luck naming a starter. Good luck coming up with a number one because you got about four or five number ones uh, that you can choose from. And like, listen, like we, we talk so much about cult heroes and cult hockey players. And to start the season, Arbor Jackye was that player. Everybody loved Arbor Jackye. A lot of them still do, and for good reason. Kachetkov is right there, ladies and gentlemen. All he needs is a big stage. I wonder about the playoffs, but before that, I wondered. The Carolina Hurricanes have a three-headed goalie monster on the horizon. Lots to get to today, uh, and it is a, a really big show. Brant Myers is going to drop by in an hour or two, and you know we'll talk a little bit about what he's doing now, and we'll look back at a book that he released last season, or last year, rather. Um, it's all about his life, his issues with addiction, booze, cocaine, you name it. Um, it's called Painkiller, holding it up here on Sportsnet 360 if you're watching or Sportsnet now. Uh, a really challenging read, a really tough read. There's nothing enjoyable about watching someone uh, try to destroy themselves, specifically someone whose career you've watched in its entirety. Uh, and you've seen all the uh, the suspensions and the downward spiral, but then the inspiration uh, of him pulling himself out. Uh, so we'll talk to him in hour two. Bottom of the hour, James Boyd, Team Canada, will junior general manager and GM of the Ottawa 67s will be aboard. And Mike Russo from The Athletic, don't look now, but the Minnesota Wild have won five games in a row, and the Minnesota Wild are hot. And is there a goalie controversy there? Is it Fleury's crease, or is it Felix Gustafson's crease? We'll get that answer from Mike Russo in hour two. Let's get the show started here with Elliot in a moment. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, very much looking forward to uh, today's program and having you aboard with us. Uh, let's kick off this segment with Elliot uh, from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada with some news from the Ottawa Senators. Or we're Hang on, we're standing by for Elliot Friedman here. We, we should get into the news of the day with Elliot right away, and that is Artem Zub signed an extension with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, it is a four-year deal somewhere in the neighborhood of $4.6 million. This has been kind of on the front burner for the uh, for the Ottawa Senators for a while now. Uh, another building block. I, I know it's, it's not been the best of all possible seasons, and it wasn't supposed to go this way uh, for Ottawa, but nonetheless, they get some business done and sign Artem Zub to the four-year contract extension. Friedman's with us now. Uh, Elliot, your thoughts on... I was just doing a little soliloquy there on Artem Zub. Yeah. Uh, the defenseman who signed the contract extension with the Ottawa Senators, four years in the neighborhood of $4.6 million, to which Elliot Friedman says what? Well, I think it's a good signing for them. I, I know their fans are obviously uh, very excited that they got this done. I think it's really good for them. You know, uh, the, the one thing that uh, I kind of was reminded of is that when, you know, he was not drafted in the NHL, he was an unrestricted free agent, and, and when he, he could have gone anywhere and he chose the Senators. And the one thing that says to me is that that's a guy who really, 
he picked that team and he obviously likes it there. Yep. And if the senators were in any way comparable, if their if their offers were fair, they were going to be able to keep the player and they did. And, you know, I, I think there's a couple of things out of this. Number one, I heard earlier in the season, Jeff, that they were going to wait on him until they could sign Debrinket. Like Debrinket was the number one priority. Well, you know, it's I, I don't necessarily think this means there's anything bad with the Brinkett, but I do think that the Brinkett was kind of like, you know, I don't want to just, you know, I just want to get comfortable here. I want to see how I feel. And I just think that if you look at him, he's still a restricted free agent for another year. Zub is a UFA. Yep. Uh, right shot defensemen are tough to find. I think they just got to a point where, the priority shifted. And uh, I still also don't think, Jeff, it means their search for another right-hand defenseman's over. I still think they're going to continue working away at that. Now, there's a lot of high-priced defensemen that could be out there, and there are some others uh, that are not exactly high-priced. Like, do we know Do we know what part of the grocery store um, Pierre Dorian is shopping in for another defenseman? Is he going big game hunting here? Well, I know you're a vegan, so I don't know if you're familiar, but I do think he is going for the fine meats, not the inexpensive cold cuts. Like, I, like put it this way. Like, okay, I, think, so. I, I think nothing is out of the Like, you know, we talked about on the pod this week about how at least, he, you know, he called, he called Chicago about Seth Jones. Now, I don't think that's happening, but I think it just shows you the length to what he's trying to do to find out what's out there. All right, so that hunt continues, uh, and the Ottawa Senators continue building block by building block to put together uh, what we think is eventually going to be an impressive team here. Um, but as we've talked about before, this hasn't gone the way that Ottawa thought it was going to go. Um, a couple of things from last night, and Maddie and I were just, you know, uh, waxing poetic about Kachetkov, the netminder with the Carolina Hurricanes. Do you think we're at a position now where if you're Carolina, you're saying to yourself, we may have a three-headed monster in net? You know, uh, Kachetkov has, like, kicked the door down, forced his way yeah. in. Uh, he's in the Calder conversation now, 928 save percentage. They're chanting Kuch. Trip Tracy already has a nickname for him, the Niet Minder, which is a real, I'm surprised <laughs> it's taken someone that long to come up with that obvious one. But there it is, the Niet Minder. Good. good job, Trip Tracy. He's become a cult hero. They're chanting Coochie. He's got Jacob Slavin as his translator on the bench interview after the game yesterday. You know, we talk about, you know, cult heroes and, you know, newfound glory. Man, could Chekhov sit right now in the NHL and certainly for Carolina, and they could be headed for a situation that no team wants to be in, and that is what are we going to do with these three? The kid we can send down easily might be the best of the bunch. Uh, you know, the the one thing is that uh, also, too, is the post game last night with him and Slavin was, was really good. That was a nice little uh, uh, awesome. moment with, uh, with, yeah. with two of those guys and, and, the, and the broadcaster there. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the one thing about Caroline, it's like I don't like three goalies. I, I don't think it works. I, I, I think it's a pain to practice with. But if there's one team yep. that I could see trying it, Jeff, it's them. And there's a couple different reasons here. Number one, Carolina thinks a little bit unconventionally. So, uh, it, like, if most people would say they don't like something, Carolina isn't necessarily wired that way. And and the second thing is, is that how many times have they been undone in goal by injuries or at least had a lot of problems with injuries? Like, yeah. I can see them as an organization sitting there and thinking, 
you know, we're going to move one of these guys, and then we're going to be like, damn, we needed one of these guys. We needed that guy we got rid of. So I can see a balancing act where they just say, you know what, we're going to find a way to keep all three of you, and that, that means that Kachekov has to go to the minors a little bit, then, then he'll do it. Now, I, I'm, a big, I, I'm a big believer in your best player's play, and if Kachekov deserves to play, and, and they're in a race there. They've caught the Devils, but you want to stay ahead of them, right? You want to keep that, that home ice advantage. Um, but I, I can see that team saying we're not, getting, we're not moving any of them because we've seen this movie before. And to be honest, guys like Anderson and Ranta, they have those injury histories. I, I think this is an insurance policy that makes sense for them to keep. You know, there's a couple of schools of thought here, and I don't disagree with you that the best players have to play. But the other school of thought is, and this is a very old-school way to think, and maybe I should discard it because it is an old-school way to think, the philosophy has always been you never let someone injure themselves out of a spot, that it's wrong to do that, that injuries are a byproduct of a game, and you don't want someone hiding injuries or coming back early um, because they don't want to lose their spot. The idea that you don't let someone injure themselves out of their position, how do you balance How do you balance those two things? That, yeah, Kachekov's hot, so he's got to play, versus, well, the other two guys, we don't want anyone injuring themselves out of a position. You know, I, I think, Jeff, there are things in life that you, that you, you believe that are your rules of living, and then you get out there yeah. in the world and you realize that, your rules don't stay 100% of the time. Like, in theory, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think if you, if you have a job that's yours or you're a player in a sport and you get hurt, you shouldn't lose it because you get hurt on the job. I, I agree with you. But yep. you ever heard of Wally Pip? Like you know, I, I know this is this is <laughs> yeah. But not he decided most... to take a day off, though. He he decided yeah. to take a day off, though, right? Now I realize that's not the most hip 21st century reference, but the one <laughs> thing the the one thing is that you know Wally Pip was was a hell of a player. Like if you ever research what kind of a player he was, you know he he was a really good player, and all of a sudden he he takes a day off, or he was hurt, or he had a fever. I can't remember what the story was. And Lou Gehrig gets a chance. And Lou Gehrig is one of the best players ever. And, you know, you think the Yankees probably thought, yeah, you know what, Wally Pipp, he's our regular first baseman. He's going to get a job. He, he's okay. He's not going to lose for injury or whatever. And all of a sudden, Lou Gehrig shows up, and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I think we all say that you shouldn't lose your job due to injury, but we know you can lose your job due yeah. to injury. I like that uh, you drop references from 1925. That's very <laughs> and you and you blast me for my references from the 70s. No way. Very That's nice. Pretty bad. Now I gotta tell you, all the kids I, right I now get they're to... like, "Who is this cool guy on the radio talking about <laughs> Wally Pipp? Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. You're like, uh, oh, who was that skateboarding dog in The Simpsons to try? Anyhow, hello, fellow kids, is what I think yeah. about as you're referencing. Steve Buscemi. As you're referencing Wally Pip, uh, boot. Uh, what, what was it? Lance, Lance is in my ear here. Who was it? Poot, Poochie. That's right, the skateboarding dog. That's uh, that's what I'm reaching for. Um, I want to get to the. Thank you for uh, your valuable contribution, Lance. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's, uh, he's, he's, he's there to make sure that we have all of our references correct. Uh, I want to get to the Leafs in Tampa, but quickly, on the other end of that rink last night, uh, the New Jersey yeah. Devils, we made a lot of the winning streak, 13 games. Uh, we should make some of the, uh, of the losing streak as well, which is now at six. Now, the thing about the Devils, and they're playing again tonight against the Florida Panthers, not an easy game. You know, they're going to go on a stretch here where they play a lot on the road. And against really good teams as well. Um, mm-hmm. They got, you know, uh, on the 23rd, they've got Boston. And then Boston again after the break. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then you get into January and it's, you know, Carolina and the Rangers and Carolina again. Like, they're going to go through a stretch here and a lot of games on the road as well, specifically in January, where they're really going to be tested. And you don't yep. want to go into it on a six-game on a six-game streak the wrong way. Do you have a thought yep. on what's happened here to the Devils? Is it too easy just to say same thing as last year, Merrick? The goaltending's letting them down. No, I, well, I mean, last night they they carried the play against uh, Carolina at five on five. Um, you know, I was looking at Severson's numbers because he was back in the lineup, but I think the shots were something like I, I, I want to say it was like. 16 to two when he was on the ice. So, um, you know, like a lot of those, like, I have to check the quality of chances, but at least the shots, you know, the devil, the, the devils uh, clearly carried the play, you know, Jeff, to me, first of all, it was going to even out. Um, you know, I, uh, they, they weren't going to be as hot as they were. Secondly, and I know a lot of people have pointed this out, you know, their schedule was easier in the first half of the season. And I don't hold that against them. I think all you can do is beat the teams that you're scheduled to play, which is what they did. And the good thing for them is that they've banked up a ton of points. Um, but, you know, this is yeah. their first real challenge. And, uh, you know, I, I, think there's, I think there's a little bit of stress, not because they're worried that the team isn't good or anything like that, but I think this business just creates stress. Like any time you're in a six-game losing streak, even if you even if you were in first place, you get stressed out. And uh, I don't know if I would say it's as simple as the goaltending. I just don't think they're they could potentially stay as hot as they were early. But I think the one thing is is that you know good teams do stop this, and it's time for them to stop it. All right. Um, last night, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs four to one. Probably one of the best games we've seen the Maple Leafs play all season, uh, from every standpoint, offensively, defensively, uh, you name it. The net mining was good again. Uh, wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, I want to get to the Dan Kelly, Michael Bunting thing here, but after the game, I knew uh, you were going to be all Cooper, over that. I knew it. You know I watched it, it last night. So how about I was the, like Merrick. <laughs> it's an easy one, but I mean, my take is kind of so what, but I'm curious what yours is. Uh, listen to this audio from John Cooper, head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning after last night's game. Lance, over to you. As I said to the guys, I, I don't know what part of the game they reinvented that uh, <laughs> had us perform like that, but it was, uh, I don't know, note to self, don't come to Toronto three days before the game. That was painfully evident because uh, we uh, we definitely did not show up tonight. They do anything though to kind of either no, it's the same. Zone it's or... the same team we've played in the exact same style and the exact same everything with less players. And you know, I like 
it's the NHL. I get it. There's 82 games. You're not going to have your best every single night. Um, but, you know, we started trying to manufacture things out of nothing. And then you know, we were just giving giving them opportunities. And um, we weren't, you know, everything we've talked about doing, I'm, I'm not sure we did it all tonight. So that was, uh, that was a complete game. I'll tell you that. Complete bag of you-know-what. That's what that one was. <laughs> all right, so I, Elliot. I, I, that was John. You know, one of the th- Go ahead, bud. I was gonna say what I was gonna say. What your, your thoughts? The one of the things that st- stands out there is don't come to Toronto three days early. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a couple thoughts about that. First of all, I, I think that um, you know Cooper knows his team. He knows he's got a good team. He knows he's got a smart team. He knows he's got a very mature team. Um, but there are times, and one of them was last year in the playoffs when, you know, remember he pulled the player away from the interview in the, in the intermission against the Rangers, where he just says, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't care how mature and smart these guys are, I have to take control. And I have to grab the reins, and i got to pull, and i got to show who's boss. And that was one of those moves last year in the playoffs, and that was another one tonight, uh, last night. And... You know what that is, is I, I remember Adam Mayer telling me a story about Lindy Ruff during, later in, in Lindy Ruff's tour in Buffalo where he'd been a long time. And I said, you know, how, how has Lindy Ruff changed? And he says, I'll tell you one story. So we, we had a trip to Florida. We were going to play the Panthers and the Lightning, and we had a couple days off before. And we asked him, can we go down a day or two early to go play golf, have a day in, in Florida to golf? And... Lindy Ruff looked at them and he said, okay, I'll do it, but you owe me two wins. And Adam Mayer said that was a difference in Ruff. When he was younger, when he started coaching, he wouldn't do that. And I thought of that when I heard that clip from Cooper because Cooper says, okay, you guys have got some guys from Toronto, including the captain. You guys want a couple extra days in Toronto? I'll give that to you. But, Jeff, you know what they owe him on the back end? a wobble you, or at least a better played game. Yes. And that's his way of saying that, that to me is I gave these guys a break. I gave them what they wanted and they didn't give me what I wanted. And I won't forget that anytime soon. Okay. The other, and I want to make sure we park some time here. I'll go on a fishing trip with you. Cause I don't think, I don't think this is that big of a deal. Although visually a lot of people had a hard time with it. Uh, Dan Kelly, who's a very young official, by the way, he just like finished wrapping up in the American hockey league as a player about five minutes ago, fans in Ontario, uh, may have seen him play. He was with the Kitchener Rangers, was their captain, um, had a minor league career, had some really big battles with some really large hockey players, uh, in the American hockey league as well. Uh, he's now an official in the, in the NHL, um, Grabbed Michael Bunting, tried to get him off the ice, pushed him a couple times. Bunting was surprised. Don't read lips on that one, folks. Uh, your thoughts <laughs> on what we saw with Dan Kelly and Michael Bunting yesterday? I, I was joking on my chat that he's going to get signed for the rest of the season. Like, someone's going to want to dress him in the playoffs, that lines me. Uh, you know, I... <laughs> look, it, it, the moment I saw it, I was like, oh, this is Toronto. This is going to be a big deal. Like, like, for example, if yeah. that happens in a lot of other places, is it getting is it getting as much play as it is today? I, I'm sure they'll just say to him, "Hey, like, a little softer, 
next time. Like, to me, uh, something like that can happen. And as you said, he's a new linesman. Uh, it's, it's a game in Toronto. It's an altercation. I can accept that, you know, he's probably a little bit wired. And he, he, was, he was a little rough. Like, to me, if that happened to me, I, I don't know if I'd have that huge a problem with it. I'd probably be more surprised than anything else. But, like, I don't think you need to overreact to it. You just got to, you know, welcome or someone's got to say to him, hey, you know, like, and probably, you know, we, we, could, we could try to be a little less forceful here. Or we don't want that a lot. But I don't mm-hmm. think it needs to be this huge scandal or disciplinary activity. The smartest thing I think that both Bunting and Sheldon Keefe did afterwards was downplay mm-hmm. it. Yeah. If you're looking again, if you're looking like, what, what do we say about you know the Makar situation? We talked about this yesterday. What's yeah. the one thing officials hate? Don't embarrass them. Don't go out yeah. there and embarrass them. And by downplaying it, I, I mean listen. Officials have to you know look at it as if it's fifty-fifty game and justice is blind and all of that. But I think they really did themselves some favors by not going out of the way, out of their way, to embarrass a really young official because they could have, Bunting yeah. could have, Keefe could have, and they didn't. And I thought that was we talked about small picture, big picture yesterday yeah. with Kale McCarr. That was them thinking big picture, not small picture. I thought that was the, you know, Jeff, the perfect the way more to you handle t- it. I agree with you, and the more the more you talk about it, I was just thinking there. Which player has openly admitted this year he's having a tough time with the way he's officiated? Michael Bunting. Michael Bunting. Hmm. Like, Bunting is clearly a marked man for the way he plays. And he's talked about it. There was one, I want to say it was with Sean McKenzie, but one of the Leaf Regional games this year, I can't remember which one it was, but one of the Leaf Regional games this year, he talked about how he gets officiated, that he knows the referees are looking out for him. And maybe, just maybe, he changed that with his reaction last night. Well, do you remember, I mean, you remember being there. I'm not sure if you remember this part of the conversation. When we were in Chicago three years ago, and we sat down with Crosby, and I asked him if he had any regrets yes. about early in his career. And he said, "And he yes. said, yeah, I regret how I treated officials." He said, "Now that I've been in this league longer and have like an expanded vision and more of a wisdom, I really and I, and he, I think he said that he's he's gone back and apologized to some of the officials for how he how he used to behave." I thought that was a really interesting comment from from Crosby there. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean. You know, I understand that people get mad at officials. Uh, there's, there's no question about that. Like, like anyone else, we're, we're not perfect. But I don't know how many arguments you're going to win with them. Like it's, uh, it, uh, it, 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 it's, it's like your relatives, a necessary evil. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple of games on the board this evening. Want to get your thoughts on uh, real quick? The Edmonton Oilers face off against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Dallas coming off their really successful five-game road trip that we talked about yesterday, and the Edmonton Oilers just flat out have the best show in hockey, and that's Connor and Leon. Uh, that one, nine thirty Eastern on Sportsnet. One, do you have a thought on on the game that might be the most entertaining out of all the games on the on the uh, on the board this evening? Well, I really like watching Dallas. I think they're a machine. Like, it's, it's kind of interesting when you think of where Dallas was a couple of years ago and where they are now. It just seems like they've, 
they, they've sorted out a lot of their issues, and, and I really like the way they play. Um, you know, Edmonton, you know what it's starting to remind me a little bit of, uh, of, of Jeff was, if you'll remember, there were times last year in January around the All-Star break where, like, the, the, the temperature was so hot in Edmonton. It's like, it, it's like a friend of mine used to call it, when the temperature is so hot, it's 41.7, a life-threatening fever. That's what he would joke about it. Probably shouldn't, isn't a thing you should joke about it, but that was his line anyway. And there were times last year in Edmonton where, um, like, it was like that. It was, it, it was really hot. And, um, and, and, you know, every week, every day, like, the losses piled up. Eventually, they made a coaching change. There was all the talk about are they going to make a trade to save their season? Like, I don't think it's quite like that right now, but you feel the temperature going up. Like, I read everything Spec writes, and, you know, every day it seems like he's writing there about it's hot and the temperature's hot and everything. And I don't like to joke about it because I don't, like it. I don't think it's, it's an easy thing to be in the middle of, but I'm feeling it out there. I... Like, you can sense that this is starting to go into fans are really worried about their team territory. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is not an easy opponent. Like, you know, like the, the one, the, like the loss the other night in Nashville, that was a game they, 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 they needed to have. This is a really tough opponent tonight. Like, I know I'm talking in circles here, which I'm generally very good at, Jeff, but I... I do you feel it? Like do you feel the temperature going up there, like the thermometer rising? Uh yes, which is why I think that Oilers fans were only too happy to grab on to the good news that was the Stuart Skinner extension the other day. Yeah. That right away it was like, Oh, finally a little bit of a win. That one looks really good for us. Give us anything. You know, if the mm-hmm. team is just rolling along and it's on a seven game uh winning streak, it's like, okay. And that's nice, but let's just get back to focusing on how good this team is playing right now. It's almost as that if that was, you know, that little bit of uh, of information, uh, they're so desperate for some good news, and that was it that they could hang on to. And now the reality is you got to face a really tough team against the Dallas Stars. One thing I want to get to before I let you go here, it doesn't have to be long, just a quick thought. Um, Victor Hedman, we've talked about this before. Early in his career, really, really helped by Rick Bonus when he was yeah. an assistant with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Miro Heiskanen, same thing. Uh, yeah. Rick Bonus with the Dallas Stars, not exactly difficult to, you know, to, to, to form that association, what Bonus did to help Heiskanen. Um, are we seeing the same thing with Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg? Like, we haven't seen a guy... In junior, he played like this in Prince Albert. He played like this in Kelowna. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we think of Josh Morrissey with Winnipeg. The first thing that comes to my thought is him and Jacob Truba, great shutdown pair. Now we're looking at Josh Morrissey and we're saying, is he going to be the highest scoring defenseman in the NHL this year, uh, this season? Quick thought on Josh Morrissey before I wrap up. Well, a couple of things there. First of all, just watching that game last night, you look at who's out of the lineup for them. You know, Hellebuck didn't play. It was a Riddick night. And you, you take a look at all the guys from Ehlers on down who, who weren't playing for them last night. Ehlers, Wheeler, like they were important players. Yeah. And, they, and they controlled Ottawa. And, you know, the, the thing that I think Bonus has done there is that, like, I think Rick Bonus is a really nice person and, and a really good person to deal with. But Rick Bonus is the epitome of something I try to teach to people, and that is polite but firm. Like, I don't always succeed at that, but I try to be like that, polite but firm. Mm-hmm. 
and I think it's a great way to live. And and I think what he's done there is he said, you know, you'll, I'm going to make it a good environment for you guys to play in, but you're going to do it my way. And, and, and if you watched that game last night, those guys have all bought in. And I think, like, you look at Morrissey and, like, everybody knows where everybody's supposed to be. And when you're a talented guy like Morrissey is – and you're in the middle of all that, you can really thrive, and he's thriving. And I think the other thing, just I know it's not something you know, we want to go into too much, but you know he went through a really tough personal thing with his father's illness. Yep. I, I think it, it takes yep. a long time. Like if you're like anybody out there who's listening to this, if you lose anybody that you're close to, it, 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 or you're, anybody you're close to goes through with that, it's it's it takes a long time, and. Uh, I think all of that, he's, it's just really helped him. I mean, he's a great player, and he's been put into positions where he can succeed. Absolutely. And another side note as well, Sam Gagne, Elliot, now four games away from 1,000. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and there were times where we, 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 we never thought that that would happen, but uh, we're, we're waiting for that. It'll be a wonderful thing for Sam. Uh, and the Gagne family. Uh, okay, on that, we'll wrap. All right, thanks, Fridge. Uh Tonight, Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Uh, we should point out as well, as much as we talk about the Dallas game with the Edmonton Oilers, it is the Avalanche and the Habs. That one, 8 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet. Thanks, Elliot. Well, well, Merrick, some of us are still working the rest of this week, so for all the slackers like yourself who are, who are taking the rest yeah. of the week off, I really hope you enjoy it. 201 Eastern. It's like Fred Flintstone at the end of the show. Yabba dabba do. I'm out of slate quarry. Thanks, pal. Well, at least you're closer to Wally Pip with that one. Take care, man.